What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. When the last couple of episodes, we talked uh, a lot about history and comedy in the past. This week and next, we're going to talk about the present and the future. My guest is Dave Beezing, a longtime radio programmer and consultant, and now he is involved in podcasts. So we are going to talk about the state of terrestrial radio, satellite radio, streamers, Spotify, music, how kids find their music these days, what the current trends are. We'll talk a lot about podcasting as well. Fascinating guy. You are going to enjoy meeting Dave Beezing this week and next right here on Hollywood and Levine. Well, so much to talk about radio and podcasting and music in general and how it is disseminated to people these days. So let's start with terrestrial radio. It seems to be dying, a slow, <laughs> painful death. Very slow. And, and, and many of us who've worked in it much of our lives have experienced that long death firsthand. Uh, we we were when we started our careers. Why we, you know we were driving Cadillacs, and towards the end they were saying, you know, you only get the Volkswagen on the weekends. It's uh, it's 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 definitely been a decline. So each year it seems to decline more and more. How do they survive? <laughs> well, they don't. I mean, they're they're definitely uh, finding ways to cut expenses and. You know, as uh, someone who pointed out the uh, K Rock ratings here in Los Angeles, KROQ, that used to have this giant morning show, Kevin and Bean, and, and, and when the ownership changed, why everyone called it in the business, like, oh, they're not going to keep paying these guys. Uh, they, they may make it uh, a graceful exit or not, but these that show won't continue under that new owner. And uh, sure enough, but you, you see where their ratings are now, and you just go. Yeah, but they're saving so much money. You know, it's uh, it's truly the philosophy in that business. That said, well, two things. One, I'm going to sound at times, I suppose, whether I try to avoid it or not, like the the bitter guy who's no longer in it, the exi- the exiled program director of radio who um, 
thinks he has all the answers, and it's very easy to have armchair answers to anything. I realize that the day-to-day requires a lot of skill and a lot of strategy and a set of conditions that they're operating under now that uh, I didn't have to operate under even just a few years ago. Uh, So my sympathies, my empathy goes out to them and they can be pissed at me for uh, acting like a know-it-all, I suppose. Uh, That's okay. I'm a bitter TV writer, so... There you go, right? This is... (laughs) uh, We belong on this show together for sure. So there's that. And then the other thing is it really... Let's let's not limit our conversation to terrestrial radio. I know we're not going to because there is a new golden age of audio upon us here. You look at things like uh, streaming and podcasts and Sirius XM keeps growing in the car. Uh, audiobooks are growing a lot each year, including among younger people. Some of the biggest growth in audiobooks is uh, 18 to 34. With podcasting, you've got About three-quarters of the American population have listened to a podcast now, and about a third have listened to a podcast in the past week. So it's definitely growing. There are growing pains in that business as well, and we can talk about that uh, as well. But terrestrial radio, um, sadly, the the companies that way over-invested during the land rush years of the 90s and 2000s, thinking that there would be no more real estate out there and that they needed to consolidate everything uh, quickly. They way overpaid for those signals, not foreseeing, as perhaps not many did, that there would be all of these audio options coming. Choice kills, as my friend Rick Cummings says. Uh, You get more and more options in TV as well. I mean, you're seeing that in in the world that you live in, that uh, you wouldn't want to be in this environment trying to start out as you did back in the day when uh, it was hard enough to get something uh, piloted and produced. But uh, these days, there's just so they're churning through so much content that choice uh, puts everybody in a in a tough position. It puts writers on strike. It it uh, it it creates an environment that you can speak about better than I can in that world for sure. That is extremely competitive. The, the, the long tail is a bitch. It it really is to the industry. And that's the same with radio. We've got all of these audio choices now. The people who spent too much uh, to buy all those signals are now stuck operating them and they didn't have the money left over to invest in the future of audio. They had to keep running these signals pretty much the way radio was always run. Uh, I think there was an opportunity a few years ago still has to be for a few of these big brands to, to go far beyond AM and FM transmitters and create brands that far transcend uh, that. You look at what the New York Times has done. Uh, They still print an issue every day, but their revenue is back on the rise in the last 10 years because of audio and video and all the other ways they're using that brand. For the most part, radio has not figured out how to do that. Yeah, and you mentioned there's really only just a few companies that own like 90% of the radio stations in the country, it used to be that you could only own like 
seven radio stations. Right. So there was a lot of competition. If you were a listener in Los Angeles and there were 40, 50 stations, there were 40, 50 owners. Yeah. And now there's like three, you know, and each <laughs> and each company owns like seven or eight stations. And so you talk about ratings, do ratings even matter to them? Because like here in Los Angeles, at one time we had two all news stations mm-hmm. and they were owned by the same company. I mean, mm-hmm, right. I think it's that way in New York still where WCBS and WINS are yes. owned by the same company. Right. So there's no competition. There's no real incentive to get the best person or have the best programming. It's like, well, we don't care. So no, what? It, it, it's true. Now, there should be incentive because, of course, there are myriad sources of news in New York, just not AM radio news stations or FM radio news stations. Uh, so they should be worried about the bigger picture of competition. Radio has been kind of stuck in that Nielsen and before it Arbitron and before it whomever world of, oh, no, our competitors are the other radio stations in those ratings books. Uh, I guess thinking that if advertisers are going to buy ads on radio, then that's who you're competing with or the other people in that ratings book. But the real competition is much more. And you talk about the commercial loads. If you listen to a terrestrial radio station, which I don't, I have satellite and I have Spotify and I like everyone else. Sure. Uh, you know, I have internet radio stations that I, I listen to. But like, oh, my God, if my car is being serviced and I need a loaner <laughs> and I have to listen to terrestrial radio, they have spot breaks that are like <laughs> eight to ten minutes. Now, they have to know <laughs> that they their listeners are going to disappear. And if you're an advertiser, why do you want to be number six <laughs> or seven out of 12 commercials in a row why are they paying for that no one's listening you got me that that is i i think if i were going to advertise on radio it would be all about what we used to call added value where it's like oh okay uh yeah i'll buy your schedule of 200 commercials here but you're going to put my name all over the say it and win contest i'm going to be the banker on say it and win i'm going to own this i'm going to own that things that live outside of those commercial spot sets Uh, otherwise you're not going to get noticed i completely agree and and the other thing not to get too inside baseball but you know the other thing in addition to eight minute commercial breaks is that they tend to sell these day parts um Based on day part ratings. So let's say, okay, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy morning drive radio in Los Angeles. So that's six to 10 a.m. according to the ratings book. And okay, what are your ratings six to 10 a.m.? What a lot of advertisers don't realize, or maybe it's a see no evil, hear no evil situation where they don't want to realize is that the companies are also moving as many of those eight minute commercial breaks as possible to the less listened part of six to 10 a.m or 3 to 7 p.m. or whatever. So you will have on most of these stations, if you try to listen to the radio between 6 and 7 a.m. before most people hit the freeway, God bless you, because they're going to have 
three or four of those eight minute breaks so that they can say, oh, we're selling six to 10 a.m. ratings here. Never mind that most of those ratings are built off of a commercial free sweep from 730 to 830. Yeah. Yeah. FCC. Hello. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's FTC, actually. Yeah. (laughs) I think that might be uh, more of a trade issue. But you were talking once and and I I find it interesting because if you're going to counter program that you think, all right, well, what if I just have fewer commercials in a break and maybe a few more commercial breaks throughout the hour instead of three giant mm-hmm. blocks i have six but i only do like two minutes of commercials and you know you think well okay that might keep the audience but it doesn't does it? no it doesn't because as i always say the tune out in a commercial break is not commercial number seven or eight it's commercial number one if you're driving along in your car and you're riding those buttons it's the first commercial that more times than not causes tune out. If you're prone to wanting to ride your buttons, there's a certain percentage of people who will hang through that eight minute commercial break, especially in a passive listening environment, like an office or uh, you're cooking it at home. You've got it on the kitchen or what have you, if there's a radio in your home anymore. Um, but the, the, uh, the button pushing is probably going to happen at the beginning of most, commercial breaks. So there's that issue. The other thing is that, again, a little bit inside baseball, but you will notice that the commercial breaks are tend to be at the same time across stations. They will either be aligned at zero, zero, top of the hour, around 15 past the hour, around 30 past the hour, or around 45 past the hour. Because the way Nielsen is set up is that you have to listen between each one of those intervals, 0 to 15, 15 to 30, 30 to 45, 45 to the top of the hour. A listener has to listen to a composite of five minutes or more for the station to get credit that you listened. Therefore, the stations have learned that mathematically, if you put your commercial breaks in the middle of those quarter hours, the ability to get somebody back to complete a five-minute composite period of listening in that quarter hour is very difficult. Hmm. And uh, I know news talk stations, you know, when I was hosting Dodger talk, KBC, Mm -hmm. and, and I would come in on the weekends and I would follow colon blow, (laughs) you know, infomercials, (laughs) literally, you know, it's like colon blow. And I'm and I'm coming on the air and I'm thinking, you know, I can say I can say fuck and no one is going to hear me. (laughs) It would be a wow. That's uh, that that is a tough lead in. My gosh. And and I guess there were some years where the Dodgers were bad enough that it might have been a tough lead in the other way around, too. But, gee. (laughs) Yeah. And so you look at. Again, stations that are willing to basically just sacrifice their weekends. <laughs> and and I think of, like, in New York, how WABC, which is now owned by one guy, mm-hmm. they have programming the entire week, and a lot of it is live and local. Mm-hmm. And then other stations like WOR 
which is their competitor, will do colon blow on the weekends. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, big surprise that WABC <laughs> is doing really well in the ratings. It's like, <laughs> if you're going to do colon blow, then you're basically running up the white flag. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's a different rate for colon blow than there would be for, I don't know, stamp collecting or something. Do, are they, are, is it 15 minutes or a half hour, a half hour? Is it the same rate? I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I was riveted the first time I heard the colon blow uh, infomercial, but you know, after that, you know, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they need to get Tucker Carlson to host it. Well, Colin Blow is probably moving, has a new deal at Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, You talk about the old days with Nielsen and Arbitron. Now they have this thing called PPM. What yes. is PPM and how has that changed the way radio stations are programming? Is it the personal people meter i think that's what it stands for i've forgotten what the what 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 it even said uh ppm is it was originally like a 70s drug dealer pager looking thing that you would wear on your belt or clip onto the outside of your pocket or whatever it's an electronic measurement of what you what signals you're coming into contact with the way that's done is that the radio stations put this it, – it, it is audible. Uh, sometimes people make the mistake of saying it's inaudible. No, it's audible. It's a, it's a frequency uh, – it's a dog whistle frequency that kind of – except it's audible – that goes right in the middle of the programming. And if someone hears that, it's coded and uh, – or if the, the, the 70s drug dealer pocket pager if it detects hears that, it. Mm-hmm. Detect, thank you. The word is detects. Mm-hmm. Then you, um, your station gets credit for that, that listening. Um, they recently updated a little bit to where they have, uh, little watches you can wear. They've moved from 70s drug dealers to 80s swatches. Uh, there are little pendants you can wear, uh, things like that that are a little bit more, uh, friendly, I guess, fashion friendly, slightly. They've updated it by into almost the 21st century fashion. VR goggles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so you're supposed to, you're supposed to carry that around everywhere and then dock it at night. You plug it in and just like you would charge your phone at night, it's going to recharge, but it's also going to dial up on a phone line and probably like the old, uh, uh, AOL dial-up of the internet. It sends to the Nielsen company what you listen to that day. So you could be in a store and there's some country station playing in the store and, you, you know, you're waiting for customer service for 20 minutes and mm-hmm. it thinks, well, this guy likes country music. Yes, absolutely. Or you'll get the ratings report back that says that your number one listener is a um an older hispanic gentleman who only speaks spanish and you have an english speaking uh, news talk station or a young top 40 station or or whatever it's just whatever whoever listens comes in that environment uh picks up on it the uh <laughs> the signal there was a there was a big commotion back when i was in the business so about um I think this would have been 10 years ago, roughly. 
where uh, a bunch of radio people is separate from Nielsen figured out that certain types of programming did a better job of carrying that audible coding signal forward and that you couldn't have one of the evils. One of the things you could not have was, was breaks in the content. Like, you know, dead air is something that we radio people always feared. Well, certain types of music that were softer in parts or female voices, actually so sad, um, didn't always convey, didn't hide the, the, the audible tone as well in many cases. And so <laughs> a company came out with this box that you could put into your equipment rack at the radio station that would trim off all the other frequencies and make everybody sound like they were talking on a CB radio because those were the frequencies that carried the ratings coding on it. And so you suddenly had, especially you'd notice on like KFI and AM stations like that, where they didn't sound as good as they could, even for an AM station, because everything kind of went to the middle like this because they wanted the maximum ratings credit they could get out of those pocket pagers, those uh, those PPMs. Yeah, again, um, with with utter disregard for the listeners. Utter disregard, yes, it's true. And that's... That's been the story, unfortunately, is that it, as the industry has declined, the service to the listeners has declined as well. And it's, uh, it's a cycle. Do listeners still enjoy personalities on the radio? Yes. In fact, uh, Fred Jacobs, who does uh, an annual survey of radio listeners, he calls the Jacobs Tech Survey. He's a radio consultant that I used to work for. Um, Fred has discovered that personalities are more important than ever. I think this past year he saw a slight decline in that number, but not much. Uh, people do want personality from their radio because if you think about it, especially if you're talking about terrestrial radio, what separates a local radio station from those streaming services, the satellite radio, all the other things that you mentioned, it has to be local personalities. So if people get hooked on personality, it could be national personalities as well that are only available on, on AM and FM, but it's personality. And so stations will have somebody in the morning. That's generally when they have their, their big personalities because it's morning drive time, mm -hmm. but why not in the midday? Why not in the afternoon? And you know, if you're if you're going to listen to a station at twelve o'clock in the afternoon, mm -hmm. you're not going to hear many personality. You're going to hear voice tracking. Uh, you're going to hear very generic radio, and then yeah. eight minutes of commercials. True, uh, it's Why going is to radio be dying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what a mystery. We've been talking for what fifteen minutes, so we've got it all figured out. It's we, it's not that do. hard. It, it really isn't. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't want to buy a radio station because I can set up an internet station here at my house. Absolutely, and have just as many listeners as KFI in Los Angeles if I happen to program it right, and if people discover me, and you know, and so the millions that true. they paid for KFI. You know, uh, there is there is a, uh, a a station in Edmonton, I believe. Uh, those darn Canadians. 
have come up with a format there that uh, was something that all the Americans, American broadcasters were talking about the past two or three years because they've had stellar ratings doing what you're talking about. It's a music station, but it has music based, but it has personalities in every day part. It's like having a morning show in the middle of the day and in afternoons and in evenings and so forth and all local personalities. And it's done extremely well. I was at a meeting um, invited by some broadcasters to help think about new formats and new new things to do. And this certainly was a topic of of conversation. What it um, and, the, and it was interesting because there was kind of a discussion in the room of, well, you know, the type of music that they're playing there is um, what the industry calls um, hot AC, hot adult contemporary. It's basically an adult version of top 40. Would it work with other music choices? You need that that big mass appeal music to carry it over to, to get the audience in and then they get hooked on the personalities. Would it work with any other kind of music? And I raised my hand and I said, folks, you got to use it with every kind of music. This is where it has to go. You're going to have to have personalities in every day part on every music station because you cannot compete with streamers, especially if you're going to carry eight-minute commercial breaks two to three times an hour. Um so there was that discussion, and then, and then, what it ultimately came down to was, yeah, well, how are we going to hire all these people? How are we going to afford to have really good personalities in everyday part? And so you really haven't seen American radio do much with that idea, uh, even though it was quite the buzz there, right? Because they don't care about ratings. And the other catch twenty two is you know, back. In the old days, you know, in the Pleistocene era, when I got into radio <laughs> and just about every station was local, you could start out by doing weekends in Bakersfield and in small markets, and you developed your talent. So you got to a major market after four or five years of working in small and medium markets. Right. So there was like a talent pipeline. Mm -hmm. But Absolutely. when all of those Bakersfield and Kalamazoo and Walla Walla stations are now just doing voice tracks right. for syndication, there's no way to break in. Nor yeah. do I imagine a Gen Z today going, man, I want to go into radio. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, there, there are so many other more creative fields to go into. Uh, do you find that to be the case in TV as well, that uh, young people today, you've got a daughter who's very successful as a, a screenwriter doing what you used to do. Are young people going into that field? They are. Uh, a lot of people are trying to break in. But I also think that today more than ever, Younger writers are more interested in working late night shows or, uh. or doing the daily show, being on staff of Colbert. And, you know, it's topical, but unfortunately, as opposed to sitcoms, it has no shelf life. Right. Told you he was a good guest. Dave Beezing, that was part one of our two-part interview. And we'll be back next week to talk more about the current situation of broadcasting and narrowcasting and podcasting, anything casting, next week with Dave Beezing. 
you want to get in touch with me, easily done. I have an email address. I will write you back. HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That is HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. See you again next week. Part two with Dave Beezing right here on Hollywood and Levine.